Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you for being here tonight. I'm so glad that you're here. And I know we have, uh, we have baptism after the service, and that's going to be exciting. That's going to be a lot of fun. And so I'm, I'm not going to, not going to keep you overly long. You notice I didn't say I'm not going to keep you long. Did you notice that? I said not overly long. So that's very subjective. But I'll, uh, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep you long tonight. And I know we have more to do. And that's a wonderful blessing. But I do want to review just a little bit about what we talked about in Sunday school this morning. In case you're not here, uh, you, <laughs> in case you're not here, in case you weren't here, if you're not here now, we'll talk about that later. Amen. If you're able to stand easily, would you stand with me while we read the word of God? Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to skip through this chapter for the sake of time and just hit some high spots here. Verse number 1, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Verse number 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good day that you've given to us today. Uh, the wonderful time in Sunday school, a morning service, and now tonight, Lord, it's already been good to be here in your house. And we just ask that you would bless the reading and preaching of your word, and you would do a work in our hearts and lives that only you can do. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I gave you some Bible principles that relate to music but they don't just relate to music because they're principles. You see, principles by their nature are very general, and they cover a lot of areas. So if you have some other question uh, that you're dealing with in your Christian life, please be assured that the very same principles that govern music govern everything else as well. Does it glorify God? Does it show the world that we are indeed a new creature in Christ? Uh, we looked at those this morning. Does it help me think about things that are pure and true and just and honest and lovely? Listen, I, I don't care if your question is, what kind of music should I be listening to? Or how should I dress? Or what should I do for my career? All of those principles apply to all of those subjects. They really do. So if you'll take them and use them in your life, it really will help you to, like it says in verse number 10, prove what is acceptable to God. And in verse number 17, understand what the will of the Lord is. It will help you in all those areas. And those don't have to be big, scary questions. They don't have to be things that people fuss and fight about. You just decide you want to be a follower of the Lord. And then you submit your life to Bible principle. And it will take care of most of the big questions in your life. Now, what I want you to see tonight regarding this thing of music, and we, we didn't cover many specifics this morning about, uh, what, you know, what music is good, what music is bad, what rhythm patterns are good, what are bad, what instruments are good, what are bad, because I believe with all my heart that the Bible principles will solve those questions for you. 
if you're sincere and honest in your, in your questioning before God. Our problem comes when we say, God, this is what I want. Now I'm going to justify it from Scripture. Don't do that. That's backwards. Instead, say, Lord, show me Bible principles, and then I'll determine what's best to do within the boundaries of those Bible principles. Again, it is not a matter of what I like and what I prefer. Did you get that? It's not a matter of that. If, if what you do in your Christian life just boils down to what you like and what you prefer, sadly enough, what that means is you don't have much basis in the Word of God for your Christian life. You've got to have something more than just your preference and your likes and dislikes. I like music. I grew up liking music. I loved music in church. We had a piano and an organ in our house in the living room. We didn't have room for much else, but we had that. And we would get these new, these new songbooks every few uh, months. You'd go down to the Christian bookstore and there'd be a, a new one, Singspiration 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, up to 59 or whatever they are. And, and we'd get one of those new books. It'd come in at the bookstore and we'd get it and we'd get two copies and we'd take it home. And mom played the piano and the organ and my sister played the piano and I played the piano and the organ and, and we played other instruments and we would make it our goal to go all the way through the book. And we'd sing everything in the book and try to play everything in the book and, and find songs that we liked that we would be able to sing in church and different things like that. And that's how I grew up doing that kind of stuff. But I also had varied musical tastes. And I did grow up in church, but the church I grew up in was real good at teaching the Bible, just not real good at applying it to real life. They taught it like a textbook. And they did that very well. And and I'm thankful for everything I learned in those years of Sunday school and all of that. I learned some some real wonderful things. But there was not much application to real life. And they opened a Christian school about 30 miles up the road. It was the first one in the area. And we were going to go. And, and there were several young people from the church that were going to go. And we carpooled. We'd go to the preacher's house. And the preacher had a van. And then they would drive us back and forth to the Christian school, 30 miles. And, and, and it, was a, it was a lot. And on the way up and on the way back, we would listen to the radio. It was not Christian radio. It was just, you know, what they would call today probably adult contemporary and top 40, that kind of stuff. That's what we listened to on the radio going back and forth to the Christian school in the preacher's van. Now, I, I can't really explain that to you. That's just the way it was. That's what we did. And so I've, I've always had this ability to learn songs. I learn songs pretty quickly. I really do. People always ask, do you have music for that song? Yeah. Well, no, I've never seen music for any of those songs. I don't have any music for those songs. I, I just, I heard them. Amen? I heard them. I memorized them. And so I can play them and sing them. It's a wonderful blessing. The problem is there's a lot of stuff I've heard over the years (laughs) that's still in there as well. Really. And and I told you, my musical tastes were varied. They they were very broad, very broad. I I always loved hymns. I always loved gospel songs. I always loved that stuff. Always did. Never stopped loving all that. But at the same time, now this this, this is going to... This will send chills up down your spine. 
My aunt and uncle had a little record store down the road. Some of you don't know what that is. They're, um, they're flat, and they were black, and they were big. You know, they were big. The big ones that have like ten songs on them, five on each side, and you had to flip it over, and there were little grooves in there and all that stuff. And then there were little ones. The big ones had a little hole in the middle, and little ones only had two songs, one on each side. And there was a big hole in the middle of the little ones and a little hole in the middle of the big ones. And the little ones moved faster, and there'd be one song on each side. And and my aunt and uncle had this record store, music store, uh, just just down the street. And every morning, well, every every time they got in a new shipment of uh, of records, every week they'd get them in. She always ordered double of the of the little ones with the big hole, because those were the you know the most played songs on the radio and the most popular songs. Because she knew I was going to be in, and I was going to get all of them. So that I could listen to them constantly. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth, okay? And so I listened to them all. And, and I was, I was not picky. I was not picky. I had the, the ones from the rock charts and I had the ones from the, uh, from the pop charts and I had the ones from the, from the country charts and I had the, uh, I had them all because I liked them all. And I listened to them all and I memorized them all. I did. So after we after we first got married, Liz and I were sitting in an Applebee's. Yeah, it was an Applebee's somewhere in Alabama, and we had gone there after the church service that night because we were hungry. On our way back to the hotel, and we're sitting there, and and they're playing music from the seventies. And I was telling her not only who was singing the song, but the year that it came out and which side of the little record it was on, whether it was the whether it was the A side or the B side. And she was, she was duly impressed, let me tell you. She was really... You could almost see the horror on her face. What have I gotten myself into? What, what did I marry? Right here? And, and, and I remember distinctly, when I was in high school, it was about the 10th grade. Somebody, somebody, I was going to a different Christian school closer to home by that time. They'd opened another one. And, uh, and there was a guy preaching in chapel one day, and I don't remember what he said. I have no idea. I don't even remember who it was. But something about it got a hold of my heart. And, and God showed me that the things that I was listening to on a regular basis were not pleasing to God. And they really weren't. I mean, oh, some of it, some of it was fairly innocent, but most of it was not. It was pretty blatantly, you know, anti-God and 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 immoral and all the rest and and the spirit of god just tapped me on the shoulder and said you know you really shouldn't be listening to that stuff and i said uh yeah you're right and so i went home and my job was to burn the trash every night back when you could burn trash i don't know if you can burn trash anymore it's probably not environmentally friendly anymore but it used to be and we could and I'd go out and I'd burn the trash and I was a pyromaniac anyway, like every young man is. And I would go out there, don't look so innocent, you know you love to light fires, that's what we do. And I'd go out there and I'd start the fire and I'd put the trash in there and burn it all. And, and it was pretty exciting, every once in a while mom would throw away a hairspray can and I would steal that out of the other trash and take it out. And oh, it's okay, they don't blow up the whole barrel, you know, it just goes boom, like that. And as long as you're not holding it in your hand, you're safe, amen, you stay back. Please don't do it, though. Please. Please. I caught my son 
several, several, well, it's been about three years ago now. He had just gotten this knife, big long knife, and he had this silly string can, and, and we were in a hotel room, and he was, I said, son, are you trying to blow your face off? And he said, no, dad. I went, well, I said, well, then do it outside. Don't do it in this hotel room. <laughs> and then his mom got mad at me. She said, don't do it at all. But I said, do it outside. So, but my job was to burn the trash. So what I started doing every night is I would take my records out to the trash while I was burning them. I'd take a stack. And, and I had lots of them. Lots of them. And I would take a stack out and I would burn them in the trash until they were all gone. It took a while. I didn't want to take them all out at once because I was afraid mom and dad would see me and dad would get mad because he knew how much money I'd spent on all that. And uh, I was just going to burn it up. Now, here's what I did wrong, okay? I didn't tell anybody. Because I, I really didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think anybody would really care that much. And so I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my pastor. I didn't tell the youth leader. I didn't tell my parents. I just, I just felt like it was pleasing to God to get rid of that stuff. And so I took it out and I burned it. That's all. So, oh, that's wonderful. That's so spiritual. No, it had nothing to do with being wonderful and spiritual. It, it was just that the Lord showed me that what I was listening to was not pleasing to Him. And my heart was tender enough to say, okay, if that's not pleasing to you, then I want to take it out of my life. Now, I'm about to make a horrible confession. You're going to say, I know what you're going to say, and you probably hate that music to this day. No. I didn't hate it then. I liked it. That's why I had so much. I still like it. It still appeals to me. It does. If I'm walking through the Walmart and they're playing stuff from a certain era, it's I'm immediately singing all the words. I know the words. I know the melodies. I like the tunes. Stuff used to have tunes. I didn't quit listening to it because I didn't like it anymore. Listen closely when I tell you. I quit listening to it because it wasn't pleasing to God. Whether I like it or not is completely irrelevant. What's important is, is it pleasing to God? That applies to the videos that you stream and the things you watch and the places you go. Listen, if it's not pleasing to God, then just be honest before God and say, I want to please you, I want to follow you. Lord, help me put that out of my life. It's really, it's not rocket science, but it will transform your life. It really will. It's what we, it's what we used to call Christian growth. Because God is going to keep showing you things throughout your life that need to be dealt with. And you have to be tender enough to say, okay, Lord, I'll, de I'll deal with that. I'll take care of that. It doesn't matter if it's something you listen to or watch or wear or somebody you hang out with or somewhere you go or words that you're saying. Whatever it is, God is going to keep after you all of your Christian life and be tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, how about fixing that? And the right response is not to get mad at the preacher because he said something about it. The right response is to fix it. Amen? Put it out of your life. Just so that you can glorify God. So our music in particular 
that we've been talking about today as it relates to God is very important. Because our primary, our primary audience is not people, it's the God of heaven. He's the most important one. Not what do people think of me, what does God think of me? That's the most important issue. So here in Ephesians 5.19 it says this, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You see, our our music is not primarily us-focused, it's God-focused. And when it becomes focused on us and what we like and what people are going to like that we do, all of a sudden the focus shifts away from God and on to us. And now we stop glorifying God and we start glorifying ourselves or some other thing. And we get sidetracked from what we ought to be doing. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, it says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, just like in Ephesians chapter 5. In Exodus chapter 15, verse number 1, there's a a whole chapter there called the Song of Moses. The Israelites come across the Red Sea, they get to the other side, and then they burst out in song. And they're, they're praising God for deliverance, and they're excited, and they are singing unto the Lord, according to verse number 1. The whole song of Moses, how how the horse and rider are thrown into the sea. That wasn't a song for somebody else. That was a song for God. And they were saying, God, you're so wonderful. Look at what you have done for us. Psalm chapter 7, verse 17 says, sing praise to the name of the Lord. Isaiah 12, verse number 5 says, sing unto the Lord. Romans 15, verse number 9, sing unto thy name. Hebrews 2, chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 12, in the midst of the church <coughs> will I sing praise unto thee. It ought to be God-focused. And when the focus moves away from Him and onto us, then we have to be really careful because we're getting things out of line. And if you and and if you'll notice, if you look at a lot of a lot of popular Christian music today, it's all about me. It is. I feel this. I did this. I want this. Uh, I got this. It's all. It's all about me. Instead of look at how great our God is. Look how wonderful He is. Look what He can do. As it relates to God, it's very, very important. It needs to be pointed directly toward Him and to Him. But then it also relates to individuals. Just you, yourself. Me, myself. As it relates to the individual, the music that we use and that we promote will have an effect on not only ourselves but on others. You see, musical styles have corresponding lifestyles. They do. There's no way to escape it. They go together. But we, you know, we have our home up in Franklin, Kentucky. And uh, in, in that area in Kentucky, uh, bluegrass is a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and I like it. If I could play those instruments, I'd do it. I mean, I just, I bought me a mandolin because I love the sound and I want to play the thing, but it hurts my fingers. So I just, every time I learn a chord or two, my fingers hurt and I stop for six months and then I'm back to ground zero. So I got to start over again. But I, I love all that. But listen, you don't you don't go and watch some guys playing bluegrass and they're in three-piece suits or tuxedos and they have an orchestra behind them. No, no, that's not that's not what they look like. They don't look like that at all. No, they got 
A big wad of tobacco hanging out this side while they sing for Jesus and it drips down their face and, and they got the banjo and they got the guitar and they got the big old bass and they, and all that stuff. And, and it all, you know, it, it all goes together. There, there's corresponding musical styles and lifestyles. You see somebody all dressed in black and they got, you know, all kinds of stuff stuck through their face and, and, and their, their hair is down to here and it's all messed up and, and they're wearing lipstick and you don't think, wow, that, that guy must be into classical music. No. No, you get a picture in your mind of what the guy's listening to. Amen? You see some guy in his cowboy boots and his hat and his and his guitar sitting there on the porch and he's playing along. You don't think, oh, I bet we're going to hear some heavy metal today. No. No, you, you don't expect that at all. Why? Well, because musical styles have corresponding lifestyles. You see the guy with his pants down to here and gold chains hanging and he can't walk straight and he's doing it. You, you don't think to yourself, oh, some bluegrass is coming my way. No, no, that's not what you expect. By, by the same token, when somebody says, that's a Christian, you just get certain pictures in your mind, don't you? And you expect to hear certain things. You do. You do. And there are some very traditional things you expect to, you expect amazing grace. You don't expect it from the guy with the black lipstick and the, no. But you do expect it from the guy who said he's a Christian. You don't expect how great thou art from the, from the guy standing on the, on the stage in the tuxedo with the orchestra. But you do expect it from the guy who says I'm a Christian. Why? Well, because musical styles have corresponding lifestyles. And it's just a matter of what you put in and then the end result of it. You see, you have to ask some questions. And we're talking on a personal level now. First of all, is it expedient? Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you would. The music that I'm going to be listening to, is it, is it expedient? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Everybody knows the first part of the verse, but... Most don't pay attention beyond that. All things are lawful unto me. That's wonderful, isn't it? But all things are not expedient. And then just to make sure you got it, he says it again. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. There are two wonderful Bible principles in that verse right there. First of all, is it expedient for the child of God? All things are lawful for me. Now, very simply put, what that means is, I'm saved, my sins are forgiven, I I will be as saved a thousand years from now as I am today. Nothing will ever change that. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ eternally, without question. End of story. Therefore, I am not bound by the law. I'm not bound by any of that. None of that affects my standing before God once I'm saved. All things are lawful for me. I can do anything. But I shouldn't. That's what the next phrase means. But all things are not expedient. Can I, can I go out and live like an animal and still go to heaven? If I'm genuinely, truly born again, yes. Yes. Now, 
as to whether that person's genuinely, truly born again, that's between them and God, and I suspect a bunch are not. Amen? But theoretically, I could. I could go out and get plastered tonight, and, and it would not change my standing before God. I'd still be just as saved and all the rest if I'm genuinely saved right now. But that doesn't mean I should do that. It is not expedient. It might be lawful, but it is not expedient. I need to be careful what I do because now this is this is going to shock some of you. It's not all about me. It's not all about you. I know some folks live their life thinking it is all about them, <laughs> but it's not. It's about others who see my testimony. You see, it might be lawful, but it's not expedient. Just because I can do something doesn't mean that I should do it and that it's pleasing to God. I need to be careful. Look at what else the verse says. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Does it control me? Oh, no, it doesn't control me. I can change it any time. That's what every drunk says. I can stop any day I want. I just don't want to. That's what every druggie says. Oh, I can quit any, I, I can quit any time I want. But they can't. It's not true. They can't. Listen, nothing should have... We saw it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The child of God should not be under the control of anything other than the Spirit of God. And anything that takes control other than the Spirit of God needs to be taken out of your life. And if that's some habit or some substance or some music, if it takes control and you, and you can't get loose from it, that's a sign right then and there it needs to go. It needs to go because it should not have control over you. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You need to be careful. Don't allow yourself to be controlled. Well, well I, can, I can quit listening to that kind of music and I can do something else. Then do it. If you really can, go ahead. Do it. Don't just say you can. If you already know it's not pleasing to God, then put it away and get rid of it. Does it control? Does it, does it have control over you? Is it something other than the Spirit of God that is ruling your life? And then turn to Romans chapter 14 if you would. Romans chapter 14. I told you this morning we'd talk about this tonight. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 13. Again, this is a verse that everybody knows the first part of, but they don't look at the whole thing. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore. Oh, don't judge. Look at that. There it is right in the Bible. Don't judge. You can't be judging. I can do whatever I want. Don't judge. Please read the rest of the verse. Always read the rest of the verse. Amen. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore, but judge this, rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now, what we didn't read is verse 12, which comes right before this. Remember I told you this morning, context is so important. That means what comes before, what comes after. It's all a package. Look at verse number, verse number 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Mm. You know what it's saying? It's saying, I don't have to judge 
Brother Robinson. Because God's going to do that. He's going to stand before God and he is going to give an account of himself before God. And so will you and so will I. So it's not my job to judge him. However, it is his job to judge himself all the time. That's what the second part of verse 13 is talking about. But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block. In other words... He has to judge himself all the time and determine if something in his life is damaging somebody else's walk with God. Because again, it's not all about you. It's not. I know that the prevailing thought in modern day Christianity is very self-centered. It's all about me and what I can get and how I feel and all this and all the rest. You, you honestly won't find that in that book. Instead, you know what you'll find? That you need to stop thinking about yourself and think about others. That's what God says. It's not what modern day philosophy says, but it is what God says. So my, my, my responsibility here is that I don't need to judge him because God's gonna judge him and God will do it right and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I would be all skewed in my judgment of him and so that's not my job. It's his job to constantly judge himself. It's my job to constantly judge myself and make sure that I don't put something in front of one of these young people that's going to damage their walk with God and keep them from serving God later on. In other words, I need to make sure I'm not a hypocrite to the best of my ability. I need to make sure that I'm honest before God because these young people watch and me doing that. So, well, I'm free in Christ. I can do whatever I want. All things are lawful. But all things are not expedient. Because there's something more important than my freedom to do whatever I want. It's somebody else's walk with God. And if somebody else's walk with God is damaged, I don't have the freedom and the right to do that. I don't. And, and you can't find in the Bible that I do. So, oh, but I'm free in Christ. I can do anything. Listen, that, that term has been perverted in our time. I'm free in Christ. You know when I got free in Christ? The day I got saved. I am free in Christ. If you're saved, that happened the day you got saved. It didn't happen the day you left some church where they told you how to dress. That's not the day you got free in Christ. The day you got free in Christ was when you got saved. Now, do you know what that really means? What that really means is this. I am now free to serve God. So, what does that mean? Well, what that means is this. I don't have to serve God. I get to serve God. I, I don't go to church so that I'll go to heaven. Did you get that? Going to church doesn't get me an inch closer to heaven or anybody else. But there are a lot of folks who believe you go to church. That's how you get to heaven. It's always been a lie. It's still a lie. The only thing that gets you to heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. And you trust him as your savior and he'll save you. And at that moment, you don't have to go to church. People go to church every Sunday. I promise you all over Statesville, churches are packed out because people believe if they don't go, they'll die and go to hell. Freedom in Christ means I don't have to go. I get to go. 
I get to serve God because I am saved. Not to get saved and not to stay saved. Well, if I quit going to church, I'll lose my salvation. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is what we call legalism. I thought legalism was when they told you to get a haircut. No, no, no. Legalism is when you add law to salvation, to, to faith in Christ. And say you believe in Jesus Christ, but now you got to live right. Now you got to live right. If you don't live right, listen, if you could live right enough to stay saved, you could live right enough to get saved. And if you could live right enough to get saved, Jesus didn't have to die. It's ridiculous. It's what we call, it's real legalism. The day you genuinely get saved, you are free from that. You are free in Christ. You don't serve God to get saved. You don't serve God to stay saved. You serve God because you are saved. And you serve Him out of love. You get to serve Him because you love Him, not because you're afraid He's going to send you to hell, because that's settled. Amen? That is freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ is not, oh, I am free in Christ, so I can go out and drink tonight. No, now you're violating other Bible principles. And you're never free to violate the Word of God under the guise of freedom in Christ. The same thing is true in music. Well, I'm just going to take this, this music that's used by the world to do all kinds of wickedness and, and it's deeply associated with all this wickedness and this culture and all the rest. And I'm going to use that to honor and glorify Jesus. Doesn't work that way. Really doesn't work that way. Remember, there are certain, there are corresponding musical styles and lifestyles. And we, we're, we don't have time to go there, but you can look it up later, all right? Google it. Or better yet, get a concordance, that'll help you. The Bible says if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will be prepared for the battle? Our music needs to give a certain sound. In other words, not a specific sound like it sounds like this, but a certain sound in that everybody identifies it and knows what it is. They know that's music about God and to God and for God. That's Christian music. And when you heard the hymns being sung tonight, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, you didn't have to wonder what that was. Nobody wondered what that was. When she played Victory in Jesus this morning, during the offertory. Nobody had to wonder what that was about. It's about Jesus, amen? It's glorifying God. That's what it is. And our music ought to give that sound to the world. And if it's so jumbled and confused that they can't tell if it's Christian or not, then the best thing to do is put it away. So, but I like that. It doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. Because if your life is just controlled by what you like, you're just a slave to your flesh. And you're going to ruin your life. You need to make sure it's based on this book. I mean everything. Your music. Listen, you you better base whether or not you're going to heaven on what that book says. Not on how you feel. Not on what some church told you. What does the Word of God have to say? And the Word of God says there's only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. Don't, don't base it on something else. If it's that important for all of our life, I promise you it's that important for our music as well.